thank you for joining us for a very special episode of Inspired to Be, where each week we strive to share with you topics and guests that will motivate you and touch your heart. I'm Sherry, and my partner, Doc Cynthia, is going to introduce you to today's wonderful guest. Why, thank you, partner over there. Partner? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, partner. How are you today? I'm emotional today, Sherry. It was really funny. When I was driving, I heard wind beneath my wings with Bette Midler, and I was, like, crying coming here. And then I'm very emotional because I just adore Sarah more than you know, our guest today. And so I feel feel that emotion because I wish I was there just giving her a big hug. So I'm honored to... uh, uh, introduce my mentor and friend Sarah McLean today. She's the real deal. She's authentic. She's beautiful inside and out. She's spiritual. She's mindful. And my best word to describe her is love. She's just she's just that word. Um, I studied with Sarah through her teachings and interactions. It totally changed my life in such a beautiful way. I have such gratitude in my heart for this beautiful soul that we're introducing. She's a contemporary meditation and mindfulness teacher who's been inspiring people to meditate for way over 25 years. Um, She started off very little, didn't you, Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) She's been teaching uh, meditation since 1993. Her students come from all walks of life, including Olympic and professional athletes, rock stars, presidents of Fortune 500 companies, along with grandparents, moms, dads, young children. Um, She first learned to meditate while training in the U.S. Army as a behavioral specialist to help soldiers address uh, PTSD. And after the Army and graduating from the University of Massachusetts, she took a nine-month bike journey, which I can't wait for her to talk about, from Europe (laughs) to Asia, um, seeking secrets to peace and fulfillment. Then she returned, and she began her daily meditation practice and studied mind, body, and health with Deepak Chopra at the Advetic Health Center and Transmeditation Community. And then after Deepak moved to California, which is how I met him, in La Costa, Sarah became the program director for the Chopra Center for Wellbeing. And after eight years, she took a sabbatical to seek the origins of meditation. And she lived in an ashram in South India for six months and was a two-year resident at a remote Zen Buddhist monastery, which is also a story we can't wait to hear for two years. (laughs) (laughs) You've done it all, Sarah. What an amazing career. Oh my gosh. And in 2006, she founded the McLean Meditation Institute, an educational organization that now offers meditation and mindfulness teacher training and programs through the Meditation Teacher Academy, which I am a proud member of and have met some extraordinary people. Sarah, thank you so much um, for being here today. You just make me want to cry, actually. Um, Do you want to start with just a short meditation exercise for just a few minutes to get us in a good space? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, but first, I just want to thank you for doing your work in the world. And, you know, I think that's that makes us all really fulfilled when we can follow the breadcrumbs, find what lights us up, and continue to share our talents with the world. And I know those of you who are listening right now, you know, I know many of us really crave fulfillment through our work and our lives. So um, if you haven't found it yet, you will. And if you are living that dream, that that uh, sense of have that sense of joy and fulfillment on a regular basis, then 
we're also in good company. So what I'd like to do right now is invite everyone. If you're driving, don't don't close your eyes. But <laughs> if you're not driving, I invite you to close your eyes and take what's called a mindful moment. And this is a great way to bring your attention into this moment so you can be really fully present for this moment, which is when your life is actually taking place. So closing your eyes and deepening your breath, ideally in and out through the nose, breathing in slowly and deeply at your own pace, and exhaling slowly and fully at your own pace. Three long, full, deep breaths. And then let your breath return to its natural rhythm and depth. And tune in now to your senses. Tuning in to the sounds around you. Noticing that some sounds come and go like the sound of my voice, while others remain constant. Tune in to your sense of sight now. If your eyes are closed, you can gaze at the light that's coming through your eyelids or any visuals that are in your mind's eye. And if your eyes are open, simply look around at the space between you and everything else. Next, let's tune in to sensations. Tune in to your emotions. What's here right now? How are you feeling? Is there any particular emotion that's at the forefront of your awareness? Let it be here. Emotions are energy in motion. Let it have its life. And then tune in to how you're physically feeling, if you're sitting or standing or walking. Notice where your feet are. Notice the support of the ground underneath you. Feel the support if you're sitting of the chair underneath you. Noticing where your hands are. Inviting your face to soften and your belly to soften. Lowering your shoulders a little bit. Take this time right now to be mindful of this moment. Losing your mind, coming to your senses, allows you to be here now, instead of where the mind's time travels into the past or future. Being here now. Tuning into the breath. Letting it be natural. And you can slowly, when you feel like you've arrived in this moment, 
You know, your body's been here all along, but bringing this mind right to this moment. You can slowly begin to open your eyes if your eyes were closed. You might even stay aware of the breath, aware of the senses. Simply be here now. Mindful moment uh, is a great way to transition between what you were doing earlier to this moment. And here we are, right here, right now. So thank you, Sherry and Sophia. That's wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, Sarah, you've had quite a journey in life. (laughs) 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 Can you just briefly share some of your stories about how you've became so um, active and involved with meditation at such a young age? I just love the bicycle story, too. (laughs) Yeah, what led you on this fabulous journey through your career? Well, you know... I just did not, I want to say this, I just did not kind of follow the rules, and that's going to be a good and not so good thing when, you know, as a teen, um, but I was always searching for a sense of belonging and a sense of coming home. My home life was a little challenging, although we had everything we needed. Physically, it was an emotionally challenging, sort of unsafe situation, and um, I was always looking for that gosh, safe space, so to speak, but it's not its not what it sounds like. It's a safe sense of, uh, like, the aha, like, this is it, or I feel good now, and I was really seeking it externally. Um, and, and what I realized over many years of traveling and looking and seeking is that when I sat with my eyes closed and in the practice of meditation, I found that sense of home and belonging. But really and truly, you know, we're not trained, many of us. are not trained to look inside, but we're trained to find the comfort on the exterior external world, whether it's through relationships or, you know, whether it's having the next car or the next phone or the next house or the next, you know, whatever gadget, or whether it's having that new job or a certain amount of money in the bank or certain body image, or certain, there's a certain something was going to complete you, and I constantly was looking for that. Now, I I got married in the Army early on, really early on, and I was young, and, and uh, fortunately it didn't work out. Um, I say that because it, it was a really great learning experience for me, because then when everybody else was seeking their completion, so to speak, with marriage and children, which I know is the path for so many, that was, I knew that wasn't going to work for me. And um, so I kept looking for that fulfillment. So in the military, I had this grief moment. I was a behavioral specialist working with soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder, among other things. And there was a nurse, it was a male nurse, who, and we were outside on the lawn, of a psychiatric hospital where many soldiers, you know, at Walter Reed and other places were sort of sequestered because they were unable to function after such chronic or acute trauma incidents. And um, he had us lying on the lawn and guided us through a simple body awareness practice. It was a little longer than the one we just did, but I remember the contrast between how I felt before the practice and how I felt after the practice. Now, 
here I was teaching soldiers about stress and about chronic stress and the nervous system, and yet I had not really checked into my own experience of stress, Mm. which was very prevalent. So in that moment, the contrast between how I felt uh, before the practice and after the practice was so um, amazing that it sort of planted a seed. Now, I wish I could say at that moment I started to meditate every day, which I didn't. Instead, after I got out of the military, I um, went and got into the Army, and after I got out of the military, I went in to get my degree at a University of Massachusetts. And then after I got out of the university, I decided to take my bike and ride my bike around the world. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get all the way around. I was on the bike for nine months, and I was going to all these really spiritual places. And, you know, whether it was sort of the ancient Greek ruins where people were, um, you know, I'd say devoted to these various gods and goddesses and the mythology around that, or whether it was in Turkey and and um, looking and experiencing the whirling dervishes and, and looking into Sufism or going to some of the Sikh temples, or whether we were going up to Hunza Valley in Pakistan and, and spending time, you know, learning about longevity and how these people, which was a very interesting culture, how women were in charge of this culture and how these people were able to use natural medicine for longevity, or whether it was bicycling up the, the Silk Route in the, and going to Swat Valley and, and learning about, <clears throat> you know, the ancient cultures around the, in this river. So I was looking for everything I could find. I, you know, went to, to Thailand and in the Golden Triangle, and that's when our trip came to an end because my travel partner got sick, so uh, pretty sick after having malaria and then had pneumonia. So we had to go end the trip a little sooner than we had hoped. But um, after that, I came back and learned to meditate at the insistence of a friend who said, look, you have such terrible anxiety, and there's no reason, you know, to have that. You can settle it down. And uh, he, it was a new boyfriend, and he said, if you really want to be my girlfriend, you're going to have to learn to meditate. And I <laughs> did. I did. And it was, again, that memory of that relaxation in the body. It was that memory from the Army years before. And I said, okay, this is it. And that's when I began the practice. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, and it, I mean, obviously, my life went on from there, and um, I went after I learned that meditation. I got this book called Perfect Health that was by Deepak Chopra, who mm-hmm. at that point in time, no one knew who he was, and <laughs> I'm not sure all the young younger people know who he is now. But he was one of the first people who brought sort of the uh, the conversation about that you're not just a physical body. You know, you are a mind, body, and an experience. It's like you are a process. And, you know, instead of going to a doctor and saying, you know, I'm sick, and they just look at you like, what's wrong with you physically and taking all your numbers? You know, they would look at much more than that, your relationships, the way you express yourself, the way you would take care of stress, and looking at your relationship to the daily rhythms and routines and your sleep patterns and your eating patterns much more in-depth than than what had been there in the world. And so he made a name for himself, and I got this book, and at the back of the book it says, you know, if you want to know more, call this number. So I called the number in the back of the book. This was in 1989. I love it. I want to work for you. I want to work for you. 
And so I got a job, and I've been sort of on this path ever since. That's so, amazing. That's, I've read that book. That's a great book. That's a, that's an old one by Deep Book. That's a yes. good book. We've yeah, got some great reading. people. You worked with Byron Katie, too, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. after eight years working at the Choker Center and managing all the education programs, um, I decided to go to India because I don't know if you know what this word is called Ayurveda. Yes. Science or yes. knowledge of life. Yeah, it's from ancient India. Really natural healing practices that include aromatherapy and sound therapy and herbs and diet and massage and meditation and yoga, all of that. So I decided to go figure it out and went to India and ended up living in a, a traditional ashram, a la the book Eat, Pray, Love, you know, where um, there was a guru and we meditated all the time and chanted and it was wonderful. And when I got back from India, I decided, you know, I needed... I can tell you, when I travel overseas and come back, there's like a shock period. <laughs> like, were you traveling like, alone, no. or were you with your boyfriend? or? I was alone going okay. to India. Okay. All right. Yeah. I love and, it. Um, yeah. I just thought, you know what? This is going to be fun. And it was fun. It was. I didn't want to go, but you, at that time, you only had a six-month visa, so I had to leave the country. I was, I'll be back. And I have been back three times since. But um, after I got back to the States, there was this pivotal moment. Um, I remember I flew into New York, and I had no shoes except for a pair of flip-flops. It was the middle of winter because most of my things had been stolen. You leave your shoes outside of temples and things in India, and people took them. And so I had a pair of, you know, little plastic flip-flops, and I was freezing in New York, and I, I was trying to buy a pair of shoes, and I was overwhelmed with the choices because in India there were no choices. At that time, they were making all of their own products, they didn't import anything. So there was like five things you could buy, you know, no matter where you were. Mm -hmm. There I was in New York, and I, I just kind of thought, oh, my God, I have to get a job that I can earn a ton of money so I can buy all this stuff. <laughs> and it was like this, it was like this work in the road. And I said, wait a minute. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm going, I'm going to go to this Zen Buddhist monastery. I used to go to the monastery when I worked for the Chopra Center, and, um, I used to take my weekends off and go into this monastic setting, which I know most people wouldn't choose to do. But um, I said, I'm going to go back and live there. So I did. And I continued kind of that deep introspection. And I was there for two years before I got a call from a man named Gary Zukoff, who had been I love to Gary Zukoff. Oh my God, I <laughs> love him. Loved. Love He's him. Written, read all of his poem. books. Mm hmm. That's so funny. Um, I know. And he was just one of the people that started talking about spiritual partnership and being in relationship with others as equals for the purposes of spiritual growth. And I bet you, Cynthia and Sherry, that you are in a spiritual partnership. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We really are. It's kind of a... But I've... I've uh, been a part of Gary and his wife, some of their, their teachings and things that they do is pretty amazing. We have such yes. a limited time, uh, and so yes. could you, uh, is there a right way or wrong way to meditate, or what advice would you give out to people wanting to start off uh, a meditation practice? That's a great question. There's no wrong way to meditate except for this. If you sit and you beat yourself up, that's the wrong way. If you try to have a certain spiritual experience, that's the wrong way. If you um, 
give up, that's the wrong way. So here's what you really need. You need three things to meditate. You need your willingness to do it, and that can be for any reason at all, whether you want love or health or fulfillment. You need a reason to do it, the why that you're doing it. Then you need your attention. So the attention you use in meditation is a very gentle attention. It, like the committed kind of attention you gaze out the window with or look at a sunset with, a very gentle, soft attention. And then the third ingredient for any meditation is a focus for your attention. Um, it's it, ideal, like we just went through in that mindful moment, um, paying attention to the senses. You know, you could choose your breath or you could choose the sound you hear or you could choose a mantra that you say to yourself or, you know, a word you say to yourself. Or you could even count your breaths as we did in right. the Zen Buddhist monastery. So the, the only thing you need is to set aside the time and stick with it and be kind to yourself. Well, there's so many styles of meditation, and I have follow, I follow you on YouTube, and I've, I've um, done several of your meditations. How did you choose your style of meditation? Because you do di- different things. I do. Well, everybody's got their go-to meditation, you know, whether it's mindfulness or mantra or loving kindness. Counting. Um, I choose the one, counting, right? Chakra practices. I say choose something that you love and do it regularly, at least once a day. First thing in the morning is ideal. Then I like to do the second one if you have time for 15 minutes or so. A happy hour, whatever you do when you get home from work before you space out or whatever that you do. Or you so, drink, Sherry. <laughs> yeah, you do a happy hour meditation, so you do that before your wine. Tell we you do what. that. That works. Well, because it, the, the brain waves uh, and the brave states are so important. That's why in the morning and at night, it's such a it's such a great time to, to meditate. And we right. are almost out of time, but I have one other question. Um, what is your definition of spirituality? Oh, that is such a great question. Um, well, my... My definition, and it's just personal, is that I find a, a place called home, and I find it inside myself, and I right. also know that the love that lives through me as me is the same love that lives through you as you, and finding ways to connect to that source field or that force field of love, and it can be through prayer, meditation, yoga, journaling, art, um, but spirituality is connecting to that source field of love that is beyond in the personality. Keeping gratitude journals is a big thing for me. I've always kept journals for years. Yeah, and and you're grateful to whom? That's somebody asking that question. Whatever that source field is, whether it's God or the universe or whatever it is in your belief system, staying connected with that no matter how the winds of change are rocking your world. Well, people are so stressed out right now with all the COVID and the lack of connections physical and even mentally with with other people due to COVID. Uh, what do you think some of the benefits of establishing a meditation practice would be for people now? Right. Some techniques that they could begin. You know, I, I know some of the benefits for me are it gives me some inner peace and I'm not, uh, I'm very calm at all times. I'm not reactive. Can you yeah, can you talk yeah. about some of the stress some reliever of the benefits from meditation? Yes. So there's so much. But first of all, you know the fact that you're calm. You say, you know, I think 
if you can stay out of the drama, a lot of us are really swayed by those winds of change, and it can really be exhausting for us, you know, especially if you watch a lot of mainstream media. It can really rock. It can really set you off. And to be able to have that resilience, to come back again and again to the center point of peace, I think is essential. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. It's good for your nervous system, your immune system. But you mentioned community and you know, whether it's a group of friends getting together and turning on a, a you know, Calm app or the YouTube meditation, find, find a, a group of like-minded people. And they don't have to have the same religion as you or the, the same political leanings as you do. But people that go, okay, you know what, I want to meditate. And I say there are really three legs of the stool of any spiritual practice. The first is where you get your knowledge, whether it's through this show or the Bible or through the Dhammapada or the Bhagavad Gita, it doesn't matter. Maybe it could be from John O'Donohue, some spiritual poetry. Um, the second thing you need, so you need knowledge, you need a community. And whether that community is virtual, as I have a Wednesday community that meets every every at 9 a.m. Pacific at 12 noon Eastern, and it's free, and we have about 100 people that come on and, and meditate with me every Wednesday, and they get to know each other. So you need the community, and it doesn't matter if you know them very well or you see them outside of the practice. And sometimes your family's not the community for spirituality. Sometimes it's not your best friend. Sometimes it's just a group of people that have sort of this looking at life the same way and when it comes to spirituality. And third, you need your practice. So... Whether you choose to practice five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, um, it doesn't matter. But just having a daily practice. I think of meditation like brushing my teeth. I do it every day. I'm not looking for a fabulous experience. But the benefits, as you say, show, they show up after the practice. You're more present to your relationships. You're more tuned in to the signs and wonders pointing you in the direction of fulfillment. You're more tuned in to your inner GPS, the intuition, the, um, you know, following your bliss, so to speak. And you get to know yourself so much right. more. Right. Well, Sarah, uh, my my partner and I have so many questions. I think we've written hundred <laughs> questions. And, and so we're looking at over our questions uh, because there's always more questions than time. And I just had uh, two more. I'm handing it over to Sherry. First, I, I want to say that I personally went through the training. Uh, it's an almost a year-long program. I have more certifications than a person should have on this earth, as, <laughs> as you know, Sarah. Um, and I, I just feel that certifications are so important. It's not something that you just go and spend a weekend with Sarah and then come out and think that you're going to be this amazing meditation uh, no. trainer. There's so much you need to know about the body and so much of going on in a person uh, to really understand meditation. Can you explain the process a little bit about how your program is, is what it is like and how it differs from other programs? Because I think it's really important for people who might be interested in. Because I'm considering it, Sarah. I have a lot of certifications as, as well, but I've been looking into your program, so I would love to hear more about that. Well, I love it, and I can tell you I've been doing this uh, teacher training program since 2011, so we're in our 10th, an 10th anniversary, I that. 10th year, and, um, you know, I started it because I used to send people to other teacher training programs, but, you know, you have to almost choose a brand or a style or a religious practice with many of these programs, like you're either teaching 
a particular brand name of meditation, or you've got to commit to being like, let's say, a Zen Buddhist or a Tibetan Buddhist. And I realized that's not prudent for many people. So after a while, my students started saying, listen, I don't want to learn to be a Zen Buddhist teacher. I want to learn to do what you do. So because of all of my experiences, I put together a teacher training program. It's kind of the fast track. It's kind of taking the best of everything I've learned. And the practices and techniques, you learn to teach over 20 different practices and techniques. And you learn, like you're saying, the brain science. What happens to the brain when you meditate? What happens to the body? Why is it that it's so life-changing? What is it that happens to, you know, your relationship to yourself? I heard you say, you know, love yourself is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You learn your relationship to your interior, to your exterior. You start to look at the, your attitude towards life. So it's a nine-month program, and it's, it's really broken up into two different sections. There's the Awaken section, which is the fully the nine-month program, which is a foundational course for your own personal awakening. And it really is like a 360. You know, how do you live? How do you meet, meet the world with your mind? How do you take care of the body? What are your attitudes? And then as you go through that nine months, about six months into it, it's the Become portion. The Become portion is really where you take what you've learned and you're experiences, direct experiences, and then learn how to articulate how how you teach to the world, how you bring your experiences that you've, you've had to others, and you learn how to, you know, read research, how to debrief research, how to um, explain the nervous system to people, how to meet people when they come to you with their cancer or their Parkinson's or their breakups or their fear or their anxiety and learn how to work with people who are trauma sensitive and children or bringing programs into corporations or organizations. So we we start to take it from your personal dive into the practices and give you what you need to write meditations, to guide meditations, to teach meditations, to record meditations, all of that. And so it's a really comprehensive program and it doesn't end when you graduate, like Cynthia can still join us for our continuing education program, you know, eight years later. Yeah. Uh, it's open and free for anybody. Yeah. Now, is this a daily class? How many times does someone attend during this nine months? Well, is it? So let's say you take the class coming up in August. So you will meet with me if you want to, one, two, three, four, five, six times a month. And so you'll meet with you every Wednesday. There'll be we break off after that group meditation on Wednesday as a teacher group, and we talk about the mechanics of what happened there. You also have a lesson with me every month live. It's all live. Um, well, we're doing it on Zoom at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lesson with me. You also have a study group. So you meet with me six times a month. You get a big manual for your <laughs> personal practices and all kinds of assignments. That's an and assignments. Then after. Six months, you will meet with me more than that. We have a, we add another meeting, and then you come either in person or we can do it online to an intensive. And Cynthia, as you remember, I think we did it when you were there. Is it were we in Sedona? Yeah, we were in Sedona. Yeah, now we're doing them in Santa Barbara. <laughs> so we've got a meditation center right by the beach, so and amazing. people come. We're having our first in-person one after this whole lockdown in July. So people come on a Friday night and they stay through the following Saturday and they really 
dive deep. Yep, deep. Not only into their own experience, but into how to teach it. Remember that? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great program, and uh, it is great. And everyone comes in differently mm-hmm. from different all walks of life. And for me, with my and background in neuro it, it, it was, yeah. it was, it was good. So my my next question, to, just to follow up real quick, uh, to, so Sherry can ask her questions. Um, I have to say that after my meditation training with you, I really struggled when I came back um, because I shifted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally shifted differently than I had even through the year that working on this. Um, and I didn't realize that final shift for me, um, I just couldn't tolerate anything negative or reactive right. people. I really had to step back and evaluate relationships and, perp- and my purpose. Um, can you talk just real briefly, because I want Sherry to be able to ask a couple questions. Yeah, what, I just have one more question. What it's like shifting um, or giving experience to people, how they shift? Oh, yeah, well, it's different for everybody. And, yes, it's like the armor that you may have been wearing and the relationships you may have been tolerating, you're no longer able to do that because your sensitivity uh, increases. Right. You can still function. But you will find your priorities shift. And I know when you left, you started writing books. And, you know, and you sometimes where you live isn't suitable anymore. Sometimes the relationships you're in, you realize are toxic. Sometimes you recognize that you need to do something more loving for yourself. So it is a period of adjustment. Um, but it's one that's everlasting. I'm sure it's changed your whole life a whole, at this point. Entirely. Entirely. Yeah. Ahead, so it's share. different for everyone. There's no ex- expectation. And it, it's a different... Uh, timing for everybody as well. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, I started transcendental meditation in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was such a long time ago, but that began my spiritual journey mm-hmm. uh, way back then. But um, my question I want to ask is: You do so much on helping other people. Is what do you do for you? What are some of the self care things that you personally just do for Sarah? Well, of course, my daily practice every day. Um, I do really try to watch what I eat uh, in terms of, like, more and more plant-based. I'm, uh, that's just my personal choice because I'm so sensitive to suffering, whether it's human suffering or people, you know, or animal suffering. So I'm, I'm a little attuned into that. Not well, you're an animal that. advocate as well. Right. right. Yeah. I, like, I'll be walking along and I'll notice, like, a, you know, a dog running on the side of the street and I'll just say, you know, try and find its home or there'll be a bird that's, that's so me. <laughs> That's me. Is it? I have yeah, busted out car windows saving a dog before. Exactly. Some, it gets really hot in Florida, so there was um, a dog that had been locked. I couldn't find the owner. called the police, and long story short, we had to bust out the window. So. That's what you have to do sometimes. Yes. And, you know, it's not that you're trying to be dramatic or selfish. You just know the right thing to you're do. You're saving a life. Yeah, and you might find that's not your bag, you know. So for my self-care, I just follow my intuition. I go for mm-hmm. walks on the beach every day. I spend a lot of time outside gardening. Um, I have yummy relationships. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of close friends. I have a lot of lovely people in my life, but mm-hmm. I have a few. And, you know, we always have sort of a purpose for being together, whether it's to be do our writing practices together or whether it's, you know, to kind of change the world in one way, shape, or form. Um, I really, I really, I, I think I have a great life. I have a great dog that I adopted, and, you know, we hang out together. My husband's lovely. We cook. I love to cook. Um, yeah, I just, I, it's not, nothing really special. It's probably what everybody else does. I don't watch too much television. No, uh, it's all great. 
yeah. I don't everything want everything that touches your heart. A hundred percent. You're listen. Yeah. Uh, the next yeah. time, I think we should just do a movie about all this. I'm just like a Cameron <laughs> Diaz or something should be you. But even how you yeah. met Marty is just such a beautiful story. Can you please just tell, I know you've written several books. Could you tell some of our listeners how they can get some of your books and how, sure. again, how they can spend some time with you? Yes. Well, so I've written three books. They're all on Amazon, of course, or probably in Barnes and Noble. Um, and the first one's called Soul Centered, which is a book I really wrote um, to sort of outline my experience of moving to the world of being codependent on the external world for my sense of self to moving more towards my interior for feeling more confident and clear in how I got rid of my anxiety and depression or, or navigated through it. And so that's Soul Centered. Um, the other book I wrote is Simple, Easy, Everyday Meditation. Oh, on Back to Soul Center, they just came out with their third edition recently, so it's, it's been rewritten. If you, haven't, if you haven't read it, this is a good time to get it. And the next one I wrote more recently is called The Power of Attention, Awaken to Love and Its Unlimited Potential with Meditation. Great so those, those are the three books you can get anywhere. Now, listen, there's a woman named Sarah McLean, spelled a little differently, who writes romance novels. I that's saw her. She, she comes <laughs> up. Yes, she comes up on Google. Yes. That. Well, you could write that's, romance uh, novels too, Sarah. Uh, that might be my next gig. <laughs> and there's also, there's also a woman named Sarah McLean who is a porn star. That is also not me. Oh, oh that's now, hey, now the truth no. comes out. That's the self-care. <laughs> <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. Yes, um. <laughs> no, your books and your meditations are, are oh, available so on Amazon. Good. So good. Thank you so much for for all that you do, Sarah. You're just truly a, a loving and just authentic, beautiful person inside and out, and healing um, lots of hearts around the world. Hundred percent. You inspired all of us. You've inspired me beyond, and I'm happy if uh, I pass that torch now on on to my bestie. Uh, with next to me right now because uh, she would enjoy the experience. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you thank so you much, Sarah. Me. And we'll do this thank again you. in the future. Have a wonderful day and weekend, and Ta we will see you. Ta California, I said I miss Yeah, her. I lived in California for many years while back in the music business, but that's another story. So have a beautiful <laughs> day. And we'll talk to we, thank you. We will talk to you again. Thank you to our listeners. And remember, what are you inspired to be? Let us know and post it on our Facebook page, Inspired to Be. Follow us on Instagram, Inspired to Be Podcast. Have a beautiful day. We love you. Mm -hmm.